0: You're listening to the One's Ready podcast, a team of Air Force special operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ team leader, jujitsu lover, meme enthusiast, and dad joke aficionado, Aaron Love.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another scrumptious, delicious, juicy episode of the One Thirty Podcast. we got a good one for you today inside the team room. We have heard, as always, all of your requests, all of the calls to action, all of the suggestions for what we should have on next. So today, 100% listen to you. You guys saw the post. You guys put your questions in. Well, today, with the Sauce team members that were lucky enough to grace us with their presence to come on the, <laughs> the podcast, we are all <laughs> going to talk. All things Sauce Tea. We wanted to start out, as always, with a little gratitude, just a little bit of thank you. Thanks to everybody that's been following the page, going to the website, checking the YouTube channel, following the Instagram, engaging on there. We're here for you, and we appreciate you guys engaging. And again, thank you from us to you, the entire team. We appreciate you Uh, go out there as well and and check out everybody that's affiliated with us. You guys have seen them around. If you need some dope coffee, if you need some energy, if you need a better pack, all of those are our friends and they do a whole lot of good things for the community, all military and vet owned. Um, So go check them out. You guys know the, you guys know the, the deal with that. So, um, you can also check the full video of this one on YouTube. There's a whole lot of exclusive content that we're planning on putting out on the YouTube channel as well. So keep an eye on there, subscribe, go check out the videos that we already got on there. Um, everything's going great on that channel. All that out of the way, you asked, we answered today two of the hardest hitting, farthest forward, tippiest tip of the spear medical <laughs> capability operators in the entire world. I don't have any idea how I'm qualified to make that call, but I know that it's still You're true. Not. I'm not (laughs) (laughs) Sully and Ray Welcome to the podcast Thanks for coming on guys How are you doing?
0: Hey, thanks for having us We're doing great
1: Hey guys Appreciate you letting us all on Oh man It's definitely our pleasure We've gotten so many questions You know, I know with Brian And how to be a PJ And then us with With the Ones Ready Project we have gotten so many questions about sauce tea, And as I alluded to earlier, none of us are qualified to even start talking about it. As we all know, Brian is uh, basically doing a stolen valor sort of thing with his PA thing. He's not even a PA. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's like, Yeah, a, I just claim it on the podcast and on. just talk about <laughs> medical things <laughs> no as if I it. actually know. <laughs> a-
1: exactly. Yeah. He does it for clout on the internet. Uh, internet is reality. Absolutely. Yeah. Internet Some is of a- that
3: Reddit karma.
1: <laughs> He's trying to get them Reddit <laughs> points, dog. Uh, but not. You know, we wanted to bring on the subject matter experts because, again, we could muddle our way through this and talk about it. But really, to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, phrasing, we want to hear from you guys exactly what it is that you are, what it is that you do, and what kind of capabilities you guys bring forward. So, man, I'm going to open it up to Ray first. Can you just tell us, how it is that you happened into Sauce Tea. Um, we're going to talk about what Sauce Tea is later. We're going to answer a bunch of the, the questions from the podcast listeners and from the, from the people on Facebook. So um, a lot of the what it is and what you guys do we'll handle later. But how did you find your way into it, Ray?
0: I kind of stumbled on it in residency. Uh, I actually joined the military to do medicine in really austere locations uh, because I thought it was challenging and um being able to treat the guys that are really far forward was something I was interested in. But at the time when I joined and started going through the process of going to med school and everything, I didn't, uh, it wasn't clear of what that would look like and what team it was. Um, so I went to undergrad at Texas A&M. I immediately went to medical school at the uniformed services university. And then I got picked up for my ER residency down in San Antonio. And when I was down there, I was with a whole lot of guys that with the army who are on surgical teams that had heard about uh, the special operations surgical team. And they told me about it. So I was interested then, um, they didn't have any slots available for ER at the time. So I ended up working for the special tactics squadron out at Pope for a little bit. Um, then went to Korea from Pope. And when I was in Korea was offered the chance to join the teams. So when I got t- done with my tour in Korea in 2016, I came down to Harlbert and here I am.
1: Hooray. Yay. And that that's you in a nutshell. Sully, it's a—it's probably a different path for, you, uh, path for you because you're an enlisted dude. So how did
4: you hear about it? And then how did you work your way onto on the team? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, um, when I joined the military, I was specifically joined to deploy and go do stuff, but also on the medical side, uh, was an EMT and firefighter prior to coming in um, and had done that for a couple of years. So joined at 21, uh, ended up be- going in to become a respiratory therapist uh, by trade. Um, worked at a uh, MTF, our military training facility hospital, for about five years. Really pushing, trying to get a deployment. Ended up doing CCAT, um, critical care air transportation. Um, did a deployment to Afghanistan um, in Bagram, and then a uh, follow on deployment almost directly after that for a humanitarian mission. But during that first deployment, um, our team had slightly taken over that that AOR for for. Uh, Sauced, which had just left to go to a different area so when we took over kind of their mission and i started hearing about it that's where i started putting my application together and then it took me about a year year and a half to actually get over just because of other deployment messing stuff up a little bit um but ended up going over to selection getting picked up at selection and and joining from there nice man yeah we're going to talk about
1: that selection later that was a specific question so we'll we'll hit all that stuff up uh, kind of later, later on the cast, but yeah, that's, that's awesome. A lot of people don't even know, um, that sauce tea is, is a part of special tactics quadrants. Like, you know, Ray, you mentioned you're down at Herbie. So a lot of people don't even know that. Like, can you tell them where sauce tea operates? Like you don't have to get in anything opsacky, but how many, how many teams are there out there?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, so we actually haven't been part of Special Tactics for that long. Uh, We actually came over to Special Tactics in, uh, I think, 2013. Uh, We were originally part of another wing within Special Operations. And then once Special Tactics brought us under their wing, we actually started being utilized the way that we are designed to be utilized, far forward, outside of the wire, um, that kind of stuff. So currently what our plan is, is we have six eight teams on paper, like that's what we're trying to fill our our numbers for, Um, but only one is currently deployed at a time. Our goal is to try to get up to eight, if not 10 teams, and then potentially have two teams deployed at any given time. And the location just depends on where the most dangerous missions are going on that need a surgical team to uh, fill in the gap of the golden hour. So that golden hour of being able to get patients to a surgical care within an hour, some of our locations that we're operating in are pretty remote. And so if there's not a good hospital that's close by and missions are pretty dangerous and they're expecting potential for casualties, then they'll request us. And so whatever region has the most going on is where they'll put us. And we'll be there for several months for a whole deployment. And then teams will rotate out that same team.
3: Can can I step in here real quick? Be yeah. Just because I'm a a really and I mean really dumb enlisted dude, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean I, I really want to emphasize that. Um, okay, so what is sauce tea?
0: Sauce is a six person surgical team that goes far forward. Uh, as far forward as the ground force commander, whoever's in charge of those operations, will allow in order to provide damage control, surgery, and resuscitation to casualties. So that can mean as close as a kilometer, maybe a little bit more, to where the action is going on. And that all depends on on what the mission dictates. Uh, but we will go much further uh, forward than any other medical team and therefore require more tactical training in order to be able to protect ourselves and not be a liability to the ground forces.
3: Okay. All right. And what, and I'm sorry, I'm going to steal this real quick here. What, <laughs> what is a construct? Like, so you say six, six person team, right? Yep. So what, what are those, how are those broken out?
0: Sure. So the easiest way to describe it is if you think of a six-person team and you can break into two elements, a surgical element, and that surgical element has surgeon that's kind of what makes us, us wait what what you're telling you're telling me the mind, surgical
1: element has a surgeon on it, it
0: it's mind-blowing if you need if you need a moment aaron i'll, I'll give it to you.
1: <laughs> I, the only person on dumber on this podcast than peaches is me <laughs> you might need to put a graphic up there just to remind ourselves once you watch this. Yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> i, I wouldn't talk I, i'd talk through this but i got a mouthful of crayons so just continue
0: <laughs> the yellow ones are the best they're lemon okay so, <laughs> um so the the surgeon for the surgical element now that we've got that covered then you need someone to put the patient to sleep because there's something against working on you know awake patients so a gas they passer that. Yeah, yeah a gas passer that. whether it's a crna or an anesthesiologist will take either one um and then a surgical technician or basically a first assist and that's one of the enlisted members that we have on our teams and then the other element the other three-person element is uh, the resuscitation element, and that doesn't mean that that's all they do, and they don't help with surgery. But that's kind of how the best that we describe it. That consists of an ER physician, which in my my personal opinion is the best position that's on the team. But
1: obviously, I the mean, best looking, obviously. always the coolest,
0: yeah, absolutely. And then uh, <laughs> critical care or an ER nurse. And then we have a respiratory therapist and that construct is based off of the air forces, critical care, air transport team, which actually Sully was a part of and can speak to a little bit more of, of their kind of capabilities, but that's what it was designed after. And then those two elements put together is what makes us uh, a force multiplying capable, you know, able to take care of a, a larger amount of patients. So.
1: Okay.
2: Well, that's, um, so going back, talking about all these different multidisciplinary um, people that you have on board, it's got to be kind of tough to assess. I know we talk about like with pararescue, we're kind of looking for the same type of things like leadership and all this stuff. And we're assessing all their skills at the same time because they're pretty basic and we can teach them what they're doing. But um, for a person that's coming like straight out of like me, I'm going out of PA school or somebody that uh, Brian, you know, you're, is out of
1: you're a candidate. Can we please?
2: Right. I, I know I'm not supposed to actually talk directly to an ER physician uh, because, because I'm still in PA school and I'm a candidate and a, they can pick me out anytime. You've
1: got a, you a desk available, right? You can jack your feet up, right?
2: Yeah, Ooh. I'm gonna have to, right after I'm done while she's talking, that way it doesn't interrupt the podcast. But how does a person, you know, kind of like me at the bottom, go up to you guys and how do, who do I talk to to kind of figure out that assessment process and what does that look like?
0: Yeah. so do you want to talk about assessment?
4: Um, so how about we do this? How about you go over like how to reach out and how to kind of get the contact and then we can kind of dive into the assessment phase of it.
0: That sounds good. Um, so first, the first most important thing is unlike what your guys' pipeline is. So if someone's interested in being a PJ or combat controller or whatever you guys assess, and then if you get picked up and you meet all the qualifications, everything, and then they start giving you all the skills that you need to be able to do your job. Like you don't come in a trained PJ and then say, Hey, I want to be a a part of the group. Um, the difference for us is that you have to be trained in, in what you're applying for. So you, you can't come to us like, you know, a a vehicle maintenance guy and say, hey, I want to be a respiratory therapist. Please train me how (laughs) to do that. You you have to go through the process of getting trained in that because the medical training process, as you can imagine, for a surgeon, for example, is years long. So we can't bring you onto the teams and then spend... You know, nine years training you, and then be like, Okay, now you know, come on, you have to. Can you imagine already.
1: if I just showed up at your unit? And I was like, Hi, I'm Aaron, I'd like to be a surgeon.
0: Well, just based off <laughs> of that alone, we turn you away, regardless of that. Oh <laughs> I,
1: would, I would turn me away, holy cow, I wouldn't let me on this, I wouldn't even let me in the unit. How'd you even get on base, you idiot? Yeah.
2: Why'd you show up wearing those beat headphones, too? <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
0: Um, so, so you have to be fully trained. You have to be fully qualified in in those specialties. And then once you do that, there's, you can reach out. There's a couple different ways of doing it. Um, there's plenty of us who are more than willing to be mentors and and help someone along the process. I get, I get, um, emails from medical students or pre-med students even all the time asking the process. Um, but anyway, you can go on, you can just Google, uh, special operations surgical team, Special Tactics, and it'll pull up to the 2-4 uh, Special Operations Wing website, and it actually has a link to the application there. And so you put in the application, and then it goes through what's called the Phase 1 screening process, and if you get invited to selection, then you come out to selection. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to take just a second to touch on those people who are listening who are like in pre-med or medical school. The The key that people ask me um, when, hey, what specialty should I go into or I really want to be an ER doctor or a surgeon because I want to do SOST. my best advice I can give to people is when you're making these decisions, you have to recognize that SOST is a very small, small portion of your career. Like It's a few assignments at best, but when you look at the grand scheme of things, this is a this is a career field that you're choosing that's going to set you up for the rest of your life. And so if you don't like emergency medicine, except for the fact that that's what's going to get you into SOS, it's probably not a good idea to invest your years of your life doing that just to be on a team or the potential to be on a team. Because then once you're done with that assignment, that's what you wake up and that's what you do for the rest of your life. So you need to be true to yourself, figure out what it is that you want to do, because the four... 10 years or whatever that you spend doing sauce uh, is grand scheme of things. And it doesn't necessarily seem like it when you're in your position right now, but grand scheme of things is a very small portion of that. So do what makes you happy. And then if it works out and it's what sauce is looking for, then awesome. Uh, but if it's not, then I promise you, you'll find something else that's cool and awesome that you're going to do and make an impact on. So
1: I'm gonna turn it over to Sully as far as the selection. <laughs> man, I, should we just end it there? Like, that was the quote. There's the quote. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah congratulations. Uh, you know how we pick sound clips for our episodes? You just did it. No, that, that that's exactly why we had you guys on. Like, we wouldn't know any of that. So, man, perfect. So, Sully, yeah, transition right into it, man. So, phase one, and then we're getting into selection here, and then just touch on too how it's different for the enlisted, you know, you're a respiratory therapist by trade. So just kind of talk about that stuff too. So absolutely.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So um, with the, and with the selection process, as Ray kind of stated, we have the paper application first. There's a, that, that's all accessible um, through, through the squadron or online. Um, but going through that, there's going to be, you know, your personal statements, uh, letter of rec, kind of giving a rundown on your career so far, so the interesting side of that part is that that's where like, we're making sure that the boxes are checked for like the medicine side, right? We're not, we're like, like Ray said, we're not picking out, Hey, can you do medicine? You should come to us already knowing your job, uh, individual job. There are going to be some things throughout that we're going to try to you know, do some backstops and checks on, but otherwise it's going to be pretty, pretty evident already that you're really good at being an ER doctor, really good at being a surgeon, really good at being an RT or a surge tech or so on. After that portion, we kind of go through a board of those packages, review those packages and the ones that meet all the criteria get an, get a invitation to come to a actual selection process. And the selection process that we go through there is about a week long at this point right now, um, going through and, starting to mix in different events also going through different psych evaluations all the fun stuff of starting to kind of dig into who these people that want to join it are and um you know there's we won't go too much into all the different fun stuff that we get to go through and have have go on there but just just as far as what you know sauce is looking for right some of the big key takeaway points and and you guys probably know this as well as that ability to work in a small team environment in a really remote area there, there's a very specific type of person that that has to, has to be, you know, so that has to be a a huge team player, somebody who's watching out for the people around them. um, Not just themselves, somebody who's, you know, there to help physically fit able to carry on the job because that job is pretty demanding when you're, when you're that far forward. And over, over six to seven months, it, it'll be, it'll beat you up. So uh, I think a couple of us got the scars to prove it already, but uh, we got the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that, um, that type of mentality that we start looking for. Um, And in in that process that we have kind of worked to at this point for selection, I went through uh, basically a two week uh, selection period for mine when I came through Uh, first part was very heavy, you know, going through multiple different, the personality stuff, the psych stuff, uh, interview stuff, um, all that kind of phase. And then a week pretty heavy of, you know, the physical, Hey, what are you going to do when you're under stress type type situation? And we can go into it
3: later. If you want some of the stuff that makes, you know, makes people successful at that later, or however you want to roll. With that. We- uh, you, so you brought up something though that, and I think it's a, it's a common trend that I think the listeners need to understand and be aware of is you said physical standards and you said psychological tests during selection, right? Absolutely. You. You guys aren't the only ones that we do that with. We do it with every single one of the special warfare career fields. And also special warfare is not the only one that does that. Yeah. All of the other soft communities do that. So this is nothing new. And it and it goes kind of, I'm trying to tie it back into the, the SWOE contract thing, but um, these psych tests are huge and we, and it helps us determine the type of person that we need. Now we don't, base every single decision on you know how sully or ray's psych tests go because we need to see you actually perform and work in a team dynamic but that's an important aspect of it yeah i, I think anyway. in fact
0: those i mean the people who grade you during the the things are looking based off of how you're at, interacting with the team you know each component is kind of separate and then it it's amazing how everything ends up fitting together in the end. It's just another data point, you know, But the, the summary of what we like to say, and we used to say it when we were doing um, ER residency selection, because I, I did interviews for our residency when I was a chief resident down in San Antonio and we called it the 2am the test because if you're on shift with someone at 2am when nothing's going on or when, you know, to everything's going on and shit takes the fan <laughs> and like all this trauma patients from, you know, drunk Saturday nights coming in. Is that someone that you want to be in the trauma bay with? Or is that someone that you want to be sitting, twiddling your thumbs with and, and, you know, just bullshitting and trying to kill time because that those shifts shifts can drag on forever. And it's the same thing. We, is Sully someone that I'm willing to literally live with for six months. And is that someone that I'm willing to, when time times get rough or we have a huge mass cow, are they going to snap on me or am I going to have to carry their load because they can't handle the stress of the situation or is six months being confined in a small space with them? You know, is that just going to drive everyone else nuts and, and potentially hurt the mission overall? And if the answer to any of those questions is negative, then it's probably not going to work out.
1: Man, and that's that's exactly like how we find our team. Like, do you want to be deployed with this person? Do you want to live in a team room with this person? Do you want to share your intimate details with this person? It's crazy how things are so – like, we're all looking for personalities. Right. We value personality over – almost all other things, you know, other than competence, you have to be competent in your job first, but it's we value sport.
0: this.
4: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. this whole thing a, is a team. It's sport. a weird, it's a weird dynamic. I'll say for like, it's probably one of the few times that I've kind of had uh, going through as like cadre during a selection. Right. Because all of these people that we have coming in have like, they've, you're not taking them somebody typically at the beginning of their career. Like a lot of these people have been doing medicine. They like, are we have, uh, I think with our RTs right now, I, I know all five of them personally from beforehand. and I've been deployed with one of them before this stuff. I've been doing stuff with them way beyond here. One of our RTs over here was my instructor when I first came through the military. Oh, wow. like we have extreme like extreme, uh, you know, when you when they're coming through selection, you have a very competent group of people. And then all that comes down to is starting to do those. okay, the psych data points plus, hey, now team dynamic, hey, plus now physical like do these all add up to the person that you're looking for and and it's interesting to kind of see how those blend right like the one thing that you might something is just standing out to you a little bit when they're doing a physical or team you know event all of a sudden you're like oh actually now looking at the site data points that makes a lot of sense because that's how they view something you know so it's interesting to start watching all those pieces come together to form form a picture of that person and how and how the selection has developed you know just to, to help us find that that person
1: yeah, no, that man, that, that's really cool. And I imagine it has to be really tough, too, especially thinking about that selection, thinking about those non-selects. Holy cow, that has to be a, a kick in the pants because you're already established like somebody coming, you know, 18 years old, coming fresh out of high school and going to A&S and getting a non-select like they have time to recover from that, and whatever. But have you guys ever experienced like having a non-select that was just that you were just like, listen, you're very competent. You're just the wrong person
0: yeah it, I mean, so every selection that we have there's um there's about thirty percent ish uh, would you say thirty percent selling they probably it, it
4: really vary i mean it it's a strong variance based on yeah. it you know, based on the the needs, based on what, you know, who's in there. There's, it's a strong variance right now. And who
0: shows that like we, yeah, we bring all AFSCs to the selection. And so, you know, some, sometimes we may have like seven nurses, but only have room for like two um, or, you know, whatever the case is. And then other times we have no nurses and then we have like a couple of ER doctors. So it's, it's a little bit difficult to say, but usually every single selection there's some people with non-selects and they get feedback from the hiring authority. Be, um, to to an extent, and then uh, I'm sure that's difficult. the The difference, though, is that while while there aren't so other sauce out there, right? Like there's not another special Operations surgical team within the air force. There, there are other opportunities to be on teams that, that are similar. Although the missions vary a little bit, like the air force does have a ground surgical team that they, that they're a part of. There's, co- there's a, the critical care air evacuation or uh, air transport teams, the CCAT teams. So there's other things that you can do operationally that may be more, uh, conducive to whatever that person wants, you know, like, so yeah, soft isn't sense. for everybody and there's, there's going to be a job out there for them. Um, <laughs> and sometimes that job may just be manning the ER in, you know, the trauma bay in the MTFs. Like that's very important too. or, or going and yeah. doing academic stuff. So there's plenty of stuff for them to continue doing within the air force. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be sauce.
4: And, and also will too real quick on that. The, Um, the selection process coming over to sauce is it's very much. And this is what I try to tell people when they're coming over is a job interview, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it is literally like, if you're not viewing it as like, setting yourself up for a a job that you are interviewing for and you are trying to make yourself the most worthwhile candidate, like you're, you're coming into it at a a disadvantage already.
0: And we're getting interviewed too. Like look at it two ways. Like not only are we assessing them, but they're, we give them a pretty good taste of how it's going to be and and stuff. So they, they have to interview us as far as figuring out whether or not that's a lifestyle that they're going to want to do.
4: Absolutely. All right, go ahead, Sully. And as as Ray said, you know the, the hiring authority at the end of that at the end of that process is going to give them their feedback, positive, negative, uh, whatever it needs to be. But at the same time, too that that doesn't mean that that's the end road for that person. Even within the sauce selection process, there's been people that are saying, "Hey, like we would like to see um, a little bit more maturity in these areas, or whatever." Please, why don't you take you know one year, two years, whatever their suggestion is come back to us. Let's see what you've developed, whether that's a leadership quality, you know, Hey, why don't you go seek out some leadership opportunities for the next two years? Come back to us in two years. We really like you. You're physically fit. You have a drive. We see that, but you know, we really need you to step up. This is a very small field of people and we need to have leaders in here. So seek out some opportunities, grow yourself personally, and then come back to us. Nice.
1: Nice. Uh Guess what? You just made a sound clip, too. Congratulations, (laughs) Sully. You're famous. Hey, uh, speaking of of being famous, I'm sure you guys both saw the post. It was one of the most engaged posts that we've had that that was out there with questions and stuff. I didn't forward any of these questions to you guys on purpose. We were talking before the podcast, and Sully was like, hey, I didn't see the outline. I was like, yeah, because I didn't send it to you. (laughs) Because I I wanted (laughs) to. Exactly. (laughs) So what we're going to do is I took a whole bunch of those questions from the post. So we're going to have a lightning round sort of thing. So we're directly from the listeners, from the the people that engage. We're going to have some questions for you. I'm going to throw it over to Trent. He's going to ask the first one here. Uh, you guys haven't seen him because he's special reconnaissance. So he's basically blacked <laughs> out.
4: He's basically blacked <laughs> out. He's, he's going to have a thing over his eyes.
1: Yeah, all, yeah ex- there's no biometrics. I'm not even I've never I'm pretty sure it's Jason
4: Bourne. It's probably like a one-way mirror eye. It, it actually so we, is, yeah.
0: Are we doing lightning round, like, only yes or no? So it goes fast, like, we're not. We're not a question, yes, no.
4: We're not doing, like,
1: <laughs> F, Mary <laughs> Kill or anything. We're just doing, like, we're going to turn it over to the different hosts. Oh, my God, right, why? All right, Trent, take us through the first one, man. You got <laughs> the first question. Hit him off, hit him off with that first the, question. This will This will be easy because I'm
2: pretty sure y'all, y- you already answered this. But it is from Yosef Joseph, Joseph Thomas. Can I go pararescue and then sauced?
0: Directly.
4: Right. So
2: okay. I think, like
4: I said, <laughs> I think you already answered it. That's the whole question. Yep, this is a question that we get a lot um, from different different career fields. Is how do I get to that point, and including other enlisted career fields? Because as you guys kind of heard, uh, surge tech in the Air Force that's a four and one, and then a respiratory therapist four H is the only two enlisted career fields currently in, in here. And then you have the other side. So you would need to fall in, fall in and have the experience in one of those fields that we listed, those six career fields, um, to then apply over to SAW. So absolutely there's a possibility. If you want to become a pararescue guy, please don't go pararescue and then jump, you know, into another enlisted career field or something, you know, go be a nurse, go be a doc. And then you could apply over something like that. You know, however that would work out, but you're not just going to go, um, you know, from a paramedic standpoint, straight into yeah. straight into that.
0: Hey, we first of all, we actually do have a, a surgeon that's on one of our teams that is a former PJ. Just who's that? Keith Barry.
3: Get it? Well, no.
0: uh, okay, yeah, well, well. So Keith Barry went to the hold army. On, was hold a on.
4: Su- seer, then PJ, then. Then surgeon, isn't it? He's got he's got three. He's got the, total he's, right he now.
0: has the three, so it is possible, but we're talking like he's that. a lieutenant colonel now, so it's been and he just got to sauce. We're talking about so twenty
1: years of a career, yeah. We're
0: talking we're talking long career, but possible. Um, and then quickly there has been talk about changing the structure of our teams, and people have thrown out the possibility of having PJs on there. That is probably like real talk here. That's probably not going to happen um, because we're actually doing pretty well with selection and assessment and getting the, the AFSCs that we need. However, we have attached PJs to some of our missions downrange, depending on what our, our needs are. So FYI, there is still a possibility as a PJ to, to come and work with us downrange. So anyway, awesome. next. sorry.
1: No, that, that that's
3: perfect. Yeah,
2: yeah that's good. Yeah.
3: Next question is from Sod Poodle. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's um, So, in a magical world, what one skill would you like to see soft medical people, i.e., 18 deltas, PJs, SARSIs, whatever? Um, what skill would you like them? Would you like to see them be trained in and able to use that they currently can't do? Assuming whole blood has pretty much done away with pasta water on the okay yeah what is I tell you what what is one thing one additional skill that you'd like to see them uh, have as they come and, and train with you guys
1: so basically the question was asking I'd I... I was writing this outline up last night and I was like, I'm going to give the most medical intense question to peaches just to see (laughs) what happens. So basically they're asking, I told
3: you I'm dumb, man.
1: (laughs) So they're asking really specific stuff. Like what is an emerging capability or intervention that you would like to see the ground teams be able to use? So they mentioned specifically like the junctional tourniquet, Roboa, um, you know, what is, what is that stuff? Like if you could just magically go poof, everybody can do this now, it makes our job easier. What would that be?
0: Oh man, the Reboa topic, because it's such a hot topic.
4: So, it's, so Reboa just, is so hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> so the one, the one side part of this conversation, because this conversation comes up a lot within our group as well, is that there's like a time and place for certain parts of these medical procedures to take place. And there is absolutely points like a Reboa, super hot topic, super in, like interesting procedure, has tons of capabilities are you going to have the capability to do that on an X where you're, you know, dealing with a lot of other stuff like all of our training iterations say pretty much that's going to be a really hard, that's going to be a really hard thing to do in that, in a chaotic environment, which is why we typically have our offset at a Y. Um, So that's, you know, there's, there's always, there's always going to be talk. I don't know, Reagan, if you have something specifically, you're thinking of like, Hey, if these guys could do this, I think we're already, you know, the continuing process of, Hey, what can we do to really get people set up and get some more success? I yeah. think we're chasing that.
0: Man, this, okay. I have to be honest, like as far as the joint trauma system and all the smart docs and surgeons and everything are in that and the TCCC community and everything, they go back and forth all the time of talking about what um, the far forward medics should and shouldn't have. And and this talk specifically about Reboa and Reboa is such a huge hot topic and incredibly controversial for those you you guys that are on and listening and don't quite know what Raboa is, uh, i was wondering, I'm is not looking, I'm, I'm like, not like, oh. oh. at <laughs> anything.
1: It's like nobody, nobody wanted to ask the question. Yeah. Just be like, oh yeah, Raboa. Meanwhile, everybody's like, yeah. everybody's like this on the screen, like googling.
3: <laughs> Re- <Yeah>. That's exactly <laughs> what I. <I'm doing. laughs> I got him. Got him. <laughs> but I didn't know how to spell it. So much.
1: <laughs> 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 you're, lo- right. you're, lo- you're looking up large boats and stuff. Like what is it? What you got is a, you got a it's a, a snake like a or something. pictures of Ric Flair a with a feathery accoutrement.
0: Yeah. Oh Woo! my goodness. Okay. So, Reboa, <laughs> R-E-B-O-A, um, it stands for Resuscitative Endovascular Balloon Occlusion of the Aorta. Uh, broken down, broken, broken uh, down. Speak. Just, just like, like
4: let it pass. That's doctor speak. Yeah, that's doctor so just speak. Like, you, let, you let these doctors <laughs> talk through those points. Just like, and then you're like, yeah, cool. And then yeah. you just like listen for the unlisted part where I'm supposed <laughs> to fall. Yeah. So, so <laughs> ahead, broken, right.
0: broken down like kindergarten style. Imagine a balloon going into your aorta, which is the big vessel that comes from your heart and supplies blood to the rest of your body. And we feed it through into the aorta, blow up the balloon, and it cuts off circulation below the diaphragm. So, any internal bleeding below the diaphragm, below the chest? So, like a
3: pelvic fracture?
0: Pelvic fracture included or liver did problems. It. Yeah, he just did it. Peach Look at that. did yeah. it. Peaches hey, you're, you're hired. You're Peaches in. It. Step promotion to the sauce team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're <so>. an E10. <laughs> E10. Um, so, that capability, the problem is, is there's a big time limit on it. Like, you have to meet time hacks. Uh, if you blow up the balloon in the chest and cut off all circulation below the diaphragm, you have 30 minutes to get definitive control of that bleeding. That that means get to, not just get to a surgeon or where a surgeon is, but get to a surgeon, get the patient on the table, get them put under anesthesia, the surgeon cut into you, and then find the bleeding and control the bleeding. Uh, there is talk about intermittent blowing up and, and deflating the balloon, like up you know, if that extends the time, there's not data out there to support that. And so that's where this controversy of whether or not uh, eighteen deltas and and the forward medics need to have that skill set and then in transport and everything. There was actually- right, but
3: you're you're blowing right past the <laughs> hey, thirty minutes.
0: Oh like yeah. for,
3: for the for the people that don't realize like, okay, thirty minutes sounds like a long time. That's a blink of an there's eye. I can't, it is I can't not a long time that at all. Happening. Holy
4: crap. Right. So, so that along those lines though, so going kind of tying back that into the question is there's a lot of stuff that we're kind of holding there that we're trying. That's again, why we're trying to get as close to as possible, because if you roll in with a hot trauma that has that, that bleeding in, in somewhere below the diaphragm, and we can go up there and we can stop it. That's when our clock starts. Right. So that's that's an awesome thing for that. Some of the other things that Ray was working with, we uh, were with an ODA team uh, down for this last deployment. And um, like some of the other stuff, though, that we were working with some of their medics on was ultrasound. Yeah, access. that's where so I was going to go, silly. Oh, look at yeah. you. Imagine that. It's like we are on <laughs> something or um, But, anyways, like the, if you start looking, kind of the cool part of this job is starting to be able to look at all the new technology as it's coming out. Like I'm sure you guys are seeing, like, for a glidoscope to innovate somebody and the cameras are getting smaller and the light uh, you know the light that you're needing is less and so ultrasound is another one where it's kind of coming down to like hey you can have an ultrasound that plugs into your phone and all of a sudden i can see into somebody's abdomen and see if they're bleeding or not so yeah that's a huge part for us but also a huge part for every other medic out there
0: yeah i think i emphasized ultrasound when i was deployed with aaron Uh, oh Totally. We, we, yeah, we actually we actually did some uh, talks the, on ultrasound, but and al- fast
3: exams. Yeah, exactly. And fast
0: like, exams.
3: And that's hey Trent. I I got you, dude, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, Sorry. So the an answer I'm, I'm fading was into. It. <laughs> it was a, All right. Was basically, I think ultrasound is going to be the best way because you can actually triage patients and get a lot of data from that, and it helps us. It helps paint a good picture of what we're going to need to do and be set up for a patient. So
3: uh man i blacked out you <laughs> guys are dropping all kinds of medical knowledge that's what i mean like i'll just sit there me and turner just like i i am so far over my head right oh, now you
0: were gonna say it if you did this by yourself you're gonna, do, you were gonna yeah, totally yeah. come yeah. up with all this oh yeah, yeah.
3: absolutely so the, the
4: interesting part for like the interesting part for us too is like ultrasounds always that catch point right it's, it's a huge thing for your guys coming in to be able to look in and see if somebody's bleeding internally and, you know we can you can. We're all. We train really hard on that external bleeding. Like, hey, that person's legs blown off. I'm going to tourniquet it, and we're going to go past that point. But those internal injuries, explicitly with uh, high velocity explosions that we have going on, and all these different very uh, war area specific wound patterns. There's a lot of that, that internal stuff. So having that not only allows you guys to triage, but even then, at our point, you know, we can reevaluate, relook at it. Um, in every mass cow that we ran that out there, like the, our ultrasound, that's the definitive piece at most stops to be like, does this person buy a surgeon and a surgery, or are we able to manage it and hold what we have at this point? And that's a really important, important line to to find. And and just me is
1: like the the tactical kind of ground level dude, like having that ultrasound, being able to do that fast assessment of the abdomen, and to give you a patient, like, hey, no kidding he's positive over in Morrison's pouch you gotta this guy's gotta go right now like that's that's one of the the, the best ways of uh, you know using ultrasound at the tactical level so that's awesome okay. dang
2: you're just trying to get bonus points from Ray over there because he threw in <laughs> Morrison's pouch
1: I remembered what you taught me I know I'm so excited
0: I could cry right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well don't crying is terrible on podcasts
0: nerd alert nerd alert
2: <laughs> alright before we start <laughs> crying <laughs> we got, we're gonna go into the next question here and go into the selection type of stuff. So, um, coming out straight, this is from Spencer Barlow. Uh, can you apply for sauce immediately after registry? I know we covered a little bit about it. Um, people being able to apply and what their qualifications are and stuff like that. You guys look at the whole picture. Um, but what do you guys look for? And can they, I'm done with residency. Can they apply? Or would it be like pretty much worthless to do? De-
0: We've actually had people apply, um, when they're finishing up the residency. So in the last year there, everything looks like they're on track to graduate. So, um, we've actually had people apply we would like to have some kind of experience so like deployment experience and everything that helps a lot but that doesn't mean that that's impossible um so it, and it's kind of nice sometimes having someone straight out of residency because they have a whole lot of don't die on me peaches um, they i'm have trying not of- to <laughs> i'm in the right company though <laughs> yeah absolutely. i can't do anything this far away no um, <laughs> So, um, we like to have sometimes coming from residency they have the newest training and the best, you know, the most up-to-date stuff and everything. So sometimes it's kind of useful. I will say that, um, as far as from, for me, the things that I think Sully touched on a lot of it, like there's a lot of physical aspect to it. And then there are some medical scenarios, but we're assuming that you're coming trained medically. Um, if you want to prepare for selection, you got to work out. And not like, hey, I went to the gym and I watched like Netflix for like 45 minutes while doing the elliptical trainer. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so the stuff that you guys have covered with your preparation for physical stuff, if you do that, you're gonna be fine with sauce. But like w- learn how to ruck, because we ruck downrange and we're gonna ruck during the selection. So you're gonna be carrying heavy stuff. And by the way, it's gonna be heavy equipment because it's medical equipment and you gotta save lives. So you're going to be doing that. You're going to be carrying litters. You're going to be carrying patients. You're you're going to be physically exhausted. And you um, can't
3: save lives if you don't make it there, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're
0: if you're dying and trying to catch your breath when you get to the patient, that's not going to help them. <laughs> so you're supposed to treat them, not yourself. Um, but it, yeah, and then getting the patient to be able to evacuate and get them to you know, to another level of care. The second thing, as far as medical stuff, we can, people ask like, Hey, can we, I study, or can I do whatever courses, everything, the joint trauma system, if you Google it, joint trauma system, clinical practice guidelines, it's open source. You can go on there. There's like a thousand, not quite that many. There's like 50, a PDFs thousand, on there. There's a thousand, thousand PDFs.
1: That yeah. is a massive library. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, it's massive. But if you get on there, it actually talks about how we how we treat certain patients downrange and like the osteosurgical stuff. So get on there and start reading how we do battlefield medicine, because that's going to help you understand the decisions that you're going to be making in some of these scenarios. Um, so those are the two things that I'd say, Sully. Uh,
4: yeah. So again, the CPG stuff, that was the best surgeon ever. Mark Northern. I'm biased because he was my surgeon, but he actually Our just surgeon. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna continue to blame as much. Feel like voice. there was supposed to be a knife hand in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 I like the noise too. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So he actually just dropped the um, the austere surgical one. Was that uh, last year, Reagan? And mm-hmm. that we had also, but like the the that is something like again in the pursuit of this type of career field, you should always be seeking it that way to better yourself, and that's that is physically, that is mentally, that is medically everything that you're doing so for instance with those cpgs like we just finished a um uh a uh, training event with some guys we went out and we were the myself and mark northern white cell and again we pulled up the cpgs like hey what have we not worked on in a while throw into this instant. and what that ended up turning into was an embedded uxo event for these guys and they're like oh like there's an actual cpg on how to deal with an embedded UXO, the amount of times that's going to happen. So all those types of things are out there. Like you said, it's open source; it's a, it's available. Uh, UXOs the, uh, for everybody else is the unexploded ordnance. So basically, a shell lodged in something. So yeah, a rocket
0: for, in someone's body, and how do you treat them?
4: Yeah, yeah. so it's so crazy. That would like, never
1: happen, especially oh. not, not at a contractor chow hall in Boston oh, yeah. on <laughs> no, our deployment together.
4: No. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh god. Never. So, anyways, yeah. So there's all that stuff, you know, and again, uh, the physical stuff, I'll I'll speak from my experience going going into selection as well. I sought out a program at the base I was at, um, doing just like I said, normal. I was an RT before um, and tracked down a program, tracked down some accountability people, had people there to be like, Hey, you know, I was literally there six days a week, hour to two hours a day, smashing it, getting it. And then when I came into selection, I loved it. Like it was like, it was a great feeling to be at that point where like I was ready to be, you know, take on the event that was in front of me. And there's people that, you know, I knew that had submitted their package They're like, Hey, I saw this. I submitted my package a month ago. I'm just jumping into it. And that is a very obvious standout difference between those two people. So like I said, being ready to take on those challenges and always looking to better yourself would be the two things that I drop. I think all these things sound pretty familiar. Physical yeah. prep mindset. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get better
0: stuff. Yeah, it's It's, it's lifestyle changes. So, I mean, when you when you get into a workout program, don't think you're doing it just for selection, and then you can just hang out the rest of the time. Like your life is gonna need to on sauce. Your life is gonna need you to be that physical. So,
3: man, I could have swore I've said that before.
0: (laughs) Deja vu, huh? Uh,
1: Yeah, I know, right? All right. So next up from bishop underscore frs what are some of the schools sauce can attend airborne free fall ranger school etc so what are some of the opportunities you guys have coming up and again listen i'm just taking them straight up off the page
0: man they're hitting all the controversial stuff yeah
1: <laughs> yes perfect
0: all right so uh i've been intimately dealing with all this stuff recently so um currently uh those kinds of like airborne free fall, dive school, all that stuff is not something that Sauce is doing right now, uh, unfortunately. But uh, I, th- I think that we... <sighs> Man, I don't want to get in trouble by my boss. You're gonna get so anyway. much trouble. I can't wait. Just say
1: it. Just say it. Don't answer it. Don't
2: answer it. don't. Yeah, for
3: real. Don't answer
0: it. For
3: real. So you're
2: saying there's a
0: chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Uh, don't, basically, don't join Sauce at this point in time, expecting that you're going to go to airborne school. If the mission starts to dictate that we need to do those kinds of employment methods, then we will. Um, but as of right now, that's not the case. The schools that you will be going to are shooting and moving and communicating schools. You will be doing uh ccat advanced in fact most of our members i think even surgeons go now right sully uh yeah
4: they're trying to they're making the big push to just yeah. have everybody have it at this point
0: so they're going to do critical care air transport teams they are going to do austere medicine there are going to be some like the tactical stuff you have to keep current on vehicle so
4: operations uh austere vehicle operations yeah and, heavy weapons
0: so. that kind of thing so we do have to be uh proficient in that kind of in that kind of thing. But as far as employment methods, most of our employment are going to be, um, it, like, it doesn't require us to do fast roping. God forbid with an 80 pound <laughs> ruck on our back. Uh, I don't want to do that either. No. I just threw
1: up in my mouth. Yeah, a little bit.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't include fast roping. It doesn't include airborne. Yeah. It doesn't include that stuff. Um, you do get so some really good opportunities though.
4: There is like the, there's the awesome schools that are out there. Right. And like you named a bunch of them, but then there's also the point where you're like, okay, I have these individuals that I need to get to this point to do this job, and if you look at that whole picture of what that actually looks like, like a lot of those things can start falling away. That doesn't mean there isn't a bunch of really awesome school. I mean, I've loved just about every school I've gone to out there. Um, you are going to go to a bunch of the same schools, you know, the the survival schools and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You get to go to. Absolutely still gonna need that. But it's looking at what what the mission is. And and you guys could probably say from your experience too, when you guys are training up for a specific AOR and a for specific mission, like that training gets real specific on what you need to to operate. In our in our current one, it's extremely vehicle heavy. And that that was something we brought back is like, hey, we need to be like ready to rock in like any type of vehicle, mod out that vehicle. We're gonna to have to do it all ourselves, we're gonna to have to do the maintenance on that stuff ourselves. Like just taking a somebody who's been a gone through and became a doctor over the last nine years and then embedding now jumping into tactically really proficient drivers like that's a huge that's a huge transition just in itself so sure. it's yeah. making them safe to operate in those areas yeah no
1: it
0: totally makes sense canine course we've we have gone and oh, yeah, learned how awesome. to do <laughs> we learned to do uh damage control resuscitation and surgery on a dog um which is scary awesome, but course. yeah we have to yeah, we have to go and do some really cool and uh, different medical courses. So,
4: Nice. Save all the puppies. Save all the That's what
1: Save. Came away with Trent, you got, you got the next one. What's up?
4: All right. Like we've said, we just read these things just the way they're written. <laughs> up, <so. laughs> uh, from Nick Conroy, how close does Sasti get to combat? Stay on base and wait for PJs to bring them back? Question
0: mark? Question mark? No, uh, there in the two deployments that I've been on, I've, uh, while we were not in a troops in contact situation, um, we, I have been shot at, um, we have been close enough to receive, uh, fire from the, the opposing force and we've gotten as close as, you know, a kilometer to that. The crazy fighting. Uh, we're typically not behind the wire that, that can be covered by conventional surgical teams. Uh, the reason we're trained tactically is to be able to go outside that wire and go into buildings of opportunity uh, and live there. Uh, Sully and I on a last deployment, there were multiple times that we were in buildings with windows blown out and freezing cold and having to sleep like underneath the staircase just to keep the wind blowing off of us and everything. Um, and at the same time, maintain some cover and concealment, so we weren't seen. Um, so we do get pretty close. It's not a stay on base uh, situation. Sully.
4: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's well, so okay. really, like well, the uh, the it's all that all comes down to the ground force commander mm-hmm. and the, the level of risk that he is putting. Up uh, due to an operation that his his people are going to be involved in, and then the level of risk he's able to accept of us being out there. And so, based on the operation, that can be like she said. I think I think the closest we were at was for a very specific mission set where we had to move extremely close because of the level of risk that those guys were at. And I think we were under half half a k at that point from our guys' final position. But like those those really close encounters are all very specific. And then we can kind of adjust to that that standoff that is gonna be leave us the most room to do it again if if something just shifts in that battle space. And that's I think the awareness you kind of get with some experience in the military, deployments no matter where you're at. Um, no matter what kind of like deployment you do is that shift in that battle space can happen extremely quickly. And you can go from like having a secure operating point in a building to being like, Hey, we need to pack up and leave because they're like, they're, you know, this, something has shifted, something has changed and we need to get out of here. So that, ha- you know, that change, that's, that's a huge change in something that like, again, we all rely like Ray as a team lead. Um, we have a team lead and a team sergeant on our team for mine. Uh, Reagan was a team lead and I was a team sergeant for the majority. Of the back end of that deployment. And Reagan um, was just constant contact with our GFC. Hey, what, what's up? What are we doing? This is what we have uh, surgically. This is what you guys have tactically. And how do we make that work? So, we actually
0: uh, had a couple of times where the opposing force was countering. And there was a chance the ground force commander came to us while we were treating. And it was always a mass cal. He had the worst oh, time. Worst time. It's always a mass uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me guess the it was first- raining too. <laughs> well, no.
4: Luckily, no. It was a sandstorm. It was a
1: sandstorm, And it was also cold. Uh it was, of it was course, cold. it was at night. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the first time it was like 26 patients that we were dealing with. And he said, Oh, yeah, by the way, like there's a good chance that we're gonna have to pack up and go. So we're packing up and going and treating patients all at the same time. And then the second time we had 51 patients. And unfortunately, that time we didn't have the whole uh, ODA team with us because they were on split ops. So they were very preoccupied with doing our defense. So we had no extra hands. So 51 patients and us, and uh, we were treating and having to be ready for the potential that if they mount a serious attack that we'd have to pick up and move. Um, so there it, it's not sitting on base and you have to be, you have to be on your game the whole time. So,
3: yeah. And it, I mean, that-, that, that that's five, one. Six patients. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: that's
2: a whole nother level of mass casualty. Okay. Right. I just want to. know yeah. Like,
3: I just wanted to.
1: Well, 51. it's going gonna, it's gonna to make this story <laughs> seem tame by comparison. But on the depl- on the on the deployment with Ray, like we responded to a, what was the, the prison mass casualty? Was it a 40 patient mass casualty? And that was on base. Uh,
0: like, I think it was 37. So yeah, was to, yeah,
1: something like that. But that's tame by comparison. We had an entire PJ team plus Ray, plus some other people at Bagram to help us out with that. So, like, man, you, the fact that you guys are handling five one patients, uh, was, that's.
0: Yeah, I was starting to wonder whether or not those Mascals just follow me. Maybe it's me. I'm not I I it cloud.
1: may. I think maybe it is you. Is that yeah. like a
4: gray cloud? Yeah. Exactly, yeah.
1: Between you... Oh, man. The worst possible team of all time. Ray <laughs> and OB. <laughs> 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 the, yes. the world would just explode. All right, so this next one's uh, from the inbox, specifically my inbox, and it's specifically for Ray. Can you tell me if you have maybe a favorite PJ uh, of all time? <laughs> maybe... <laughs> One that you've deployed with in like the 2014 range. Anyone you still talk to? You just I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Go ahead.
0: Obviously, it was Derek McCormick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Kyle do. Holland. and you know, Kyle Holland and literally and every God. and Brent Vogelsay and everybody else that is not you.
0: Oh wait, were you there?
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, this is and working out
3: perfect. This yeah. is exactly how
1: I planned it, man. This is exactly how I planned it. Well. Hey, I just wanted to end on a lighter note there. I wanted to say thank you guys for coming on. You guys absolutely crushed this. For you guys that weren't paying attention, uh Ray and I actually did deploy together. We've had a, a long um, you know, professional relationship from from the time that we met she deployed with us and man Ray Sully, I just want to say thanks for coming on. You guys absolutely crushed this. For everybody that had any questions about Sasti in general. Um is there any parting shots you guys want to throw out there?
0: Uh yeah. So I just wanted to, a couple of things. First of all, if you come on the sauce, um, it's, you're going to be assigned to a team and that team is going to be your family for the whole time. So, um, when Sully and I were on a team together, we literally trained together. So for what's four to six months before we headed out on deployment. And then the six months on deployment, we were, uh, spending, almost every minute together and uh, getting prepared for that. So you get to know your team incredibly well, which actually helps the dynamics when you're downrange and knowing and anticipating what each other are going to do and being able to basically work almost without talking because you, you just know what the, your team members are going to what they're going to do under stress. Um, the second thing is we're, we're moving all the teams to locations in which you're working day to day in a level one trauma center. So you're going to be in a, uh, either the University of Alabama at Birmingham uh, or at uh, Las Vegas, and you work in the level one trauma center seeing patients and keeping your skills up and then uh, your extra people to them. So if you have to go train or do exercise or deploy or whatever, you're good to go and your team cuts out and, and heads out. And that's how we're keeping ourselves relevant. And that way we're not wasting away in, in some military hospital, not seeing all the things that we really need to see. Um, so there's really good opportunities to be able to keep your skills up and do some really good medicine while you're home. And then also do really good medicine that you're never going to see on the civilian side when you're downrange. Um, yeah, that's the, the only thing the, those were the only two things I had left Sally Do you have anything?
4: Yeah, that's, I mean, just like uh, any any decision or career field, like this this path comes with its own you know sacrifices. Just like you guys all have had uh, sacrifices, time away from family, time uh, deployed, time training, all those kind of things. But uh, going through it has probably been one of the best decisions that I personally made. I got to do some really interesting, neat, cool stuff. Um, and you know, those, those, uh, times where you are able to make a difference are what make it worthwhile, you know, in the end of it. So, um, I've loved the opportunities that I've had over here. I continue to, to push and find the new ones. And, uh, I like, like hanging out with you guys just, uh, to, to again, kind of continue that chain. So thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Yeah, and it, it was our pleasure.
1: Like, I couldn't be more thankful to have the, the two subject matter experts for Sauced on, uh, you know, and you, and not just because we're friends and everything, but because Aww. you guys are the best possible people. So, man. We pulled another one, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, (laughs) All right. And just real quick, I just wanted to say thanks again for coming on. But also if guys want to reach out to you, they go to that link that you were talking about earlier in the podcast or any specific where to go. Okay.
0: Yeah. If you go to that link that, um, I'll send it to you in the email and that way you can, you can post it with it. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I mean, people can look me up on the on the global if they're in the Air Force already. Um, oh, the other thing is if you're in the Army, Navy, civilian, like you can come to assessment and, and check it out. There's a little bit more paperwork that has to happen to switch over from the Army and the Navy. Uh, if you want to come to the Air Force, We don't. it's not joint. Um, but anyway, we're on glo- global. You can look us up. We're happy to answer questions. But a lot of the questions will be answered by going to that website and clicking on the application and taking a look. We do... We're doing three selections this year. We just had one in uh, the beginning of this month. So there's two more selections that are going on this year. Um, And we typically have two to three a year. So if you guys like happy to help, so glad that you guys asked us. And if there's more follow-up questions or you want to, you know, just talk more nerd stuff and learn about Robola or whatever (laughs) it is, then happy to do so. And uh, we can, you know, arrange and do another setup. So,
3: I'll let you guys try one on me. <laughs> oh, <yeah. All> right. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, this feels this feels a little bit weird.
1: <laughs> uh, man, that that's it. If we don't have any more parting shots, Brian, what you got, bro?
2: Yeah. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to come out. We had so many questions out there. We had tons of comments on that post, and I know you guys are kind of tracking on. All these people are gonna come and hit you up right now. So again, get ready for that wave. (laughs) Yeah. All these students that are in med school right now, and they're like, these guys are so awesome. They read all the articles and stuff, and you know, some of the information is a little bit harder to find. But it's good to put a face to the career field and just kind of see what you guys are doing. It's really awesome to hear the stories firsthand from you guys because I hadn't personally worked with you guys before, but I know Aaron had and he talked nothing but the best of you guys. So. Again, for all of you guys that are out there and considering this career field, like they said, don't make, don't try and make a meandering path through pararescue and try and get your little war ribbons or whatever, try and get your hats to put up on your, your shadow box. When you do that, you're joining any career field and you're going to be accepted into any career field because of the person that you are, their passion, whatever it lies in, if it's emergency medicine, if it's, you know, doing ropes and doing that technical rescue, then go PJ or go something else. But um, show up qualified and have the right personality. Like you said, in any soft environment, it's going to be that team dynamic. That's really going to keep you around. Of course you have to know your job and you have to do all that stuff, but you have to be that kind of person that everyone else can rely on. They can trust you to act whenever stuff happens, just like the doc and, um, solely we saying there's a lot of different things and factors that come into play and we can't, um, always put those into scenarios, but we have to be able to trust the person by our side. So, uh, Again, thank you all, and we will throw up the links to any of the stuff that we were talking about um, so you guys can contact them, and we'd love to have you guys on in a future episode for sure because I know there's going to be a bunch of follow-up questions about specifically like, so the many. selection, and, and they want to hear some more stories, of course, from all the stuff you guys have done. <laughs> but Yeah. Yeah, so thanks again, and we'd love to have you on again.
0: Well, thanks. Appreciate it.
2: Cool. All right. All right. See you guys next time. Awesome.
1: Bye. Train hard. Train Later.